Hello and welcome to a special edition of the podcast, Are We Nearly There Yet? My name's Professor Andrew Sherry and this month I'm talking to early career professionals about their journeys so far to discover who they are and what they're made to do and their aspirations for the future. Today, I'm talking to Kieran Hursnip, who is an early careers advisor at the National Nuclear Laboratory. Welcome, Kieran. Thanks for joining me. Thank you very much, Andrew. It's an absolute pleasure to be here. So, Kieran, you grew up in Wigan. Tell us a little bit about what you were like at school. Yeah, so I'm Wigan born and bred and still live in Wigan, which I'm very proud of. Um, at school, I was madly obsessed with sport, any type of sport. Um, but school, I was I was quite quiet. Um, I was never the most academic of, of students. Um, I, usually it was because I was daydreaming about sport, whether it was playing sport or something I'd seen at the weekend. Um, and I just kind of, I was always very well behaved, never any problems in, in that side of things. Uh, but yeah, it was just kind of, I just used school as a great outlet to, to have all these wide, varied sports that I could partake in and, and play. Yeah, so what, what were the sort of sports you were getting into at school? So rugby league was always the, the first, um, you know, I've, I've been playing rugby league since I was five years of age, but I'm also a, a keen football fan, so I was playing football. Uh, I also played with the cricket team as well, which was always a, an enjoyable experience. Um, I, I enjoyed playing golf. Um, so a, any type of sport that they were throwing out there, I'd, I'd get involved with um, and, you know, my, my my parents was forever picking me up in the evenings because I was just getting involved with as many things as I possibly could that usually involved a ball. <laughs> <laughs> and 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 were you really encouraged in the sport at school or, or were people trying to pull you off the sport and into the classroom a bit more? It, it was a sporting school. Um, right. It was it was very much a, a rugby league orientated school, to be honest with you. Um, but yes, it there was a little bit of tug of war sometimes between my sports teachers and and my my other teachers uh, because I was playing rugby league for, for my age group, my year, but I usually get selected for the year above as well. So that meant sometimes it was double time taken out, out of class. So uh, I had a, a sports teacher called Mr. Birch Hall, uh, who always had my back when when those kind of type of things happened. Uh, so Mr. Birch, we used to call him Mr. B. So Mr. B was always the person that had stick up for me and, uh, and and look after me in, in those aspects of things. Oh, we all need someone like that to look after <laughs> us, don't we? <laughs> so was there a particular moment at school, maybe a, a, a rugby league match or something, where you just thought, this is what I want to spend my time doing full time? There was, yes. So again, talking about Mr. Birchall again, I'd reg- regularly go and have my, my lunch with with Mr. Birchall and uh, a couple of my my pals would come along as well and he used to show us old Australian rugby league videos and we'd spend our dinner time sat in in, in, in Mr Birchall's office watching these old um, rugby league videos from Australia and New Zealand from the early 90s and it was just kind of like a, a magnet to me it was you know that's that's what I want to do and um, so I really think that that influence young uh, really kind of showed an insight into the direction I wanted to take it. At the time, I didn't realise you could make a living from doing something that you enjoyed like that. So when that soon clicked that you you can get a, you can get paid for doing this, um, it was like right, let's let's go for that and, and let's see where it gets me. <laughs> yeah. So there, there was only one next step for you, really, wasn't there? After that, 
There was, yes, yes. So obviously being brought up in Wigan, it's uh, rugby league is religion in, in, in Wigan. Um, so growing up, going to Central Park with my dad, um, you know, watching your heroes every week, it, it really just kind of brought it down to, to work, the, the work area that I was living in. Um, that it, it is a yeah. madly obsessed town with, with rugby league. So with that influence as well, um, it was just, kind of live, sleep, drink, eat, eat rugby. Um, and, and that was kind of, that was my childhood, really. If it, if it had anything involved with, with rugby, I was, I was part of it. If it was watching it on TV, if it was listening to, to the radio of the games, was watching videos, it was yeah. going out, um, you know, I was forever playing in my, my back garden at my mum and dad's with the, the curtains open uh, with the, the dining room lights on, pretending I was playing at Central Park. <laughs> so tell us a little bit about the transition then from school uh, into professional rugby league, because that must have meant you had really had to take things seriously and put in the hours and the training and the fitness and the strength and mm. all of that. It was, yeah. I mean, what, what really brought it home to me was I used to collect um, stickers uh, of, of rugby league players and, and, and have a sticker album. And um, I, I signed professional for Salford City Reds. They was known as back then at, at 15 years of age. Um, and I walked into the, the club, into the changing rooms, and, and there was Martin Afire, Bobby Goulding, Graham Holroyd, people you've grown up um, and collecting stickers and, and placing them in your sticker albums. And, and now there was they're living and breathing in front of me um, and then I had to go and put a pair of boots on and, and run on the same pitch as these guys so I think for the first three to four years of my my professional rugby career it felt like I was a fan who was kind of intruding on on these training sessions and uh, and you know once once he started to click with me that you know the dedication that's required and um, it, it really did kind of set me up for life really because watching these people you automatically think when you're younger that it just comes to them, it's natural. Um, but when you get to see the background of it, you know, the diets that they go through, the, the extra training they put themselves through, besides what the, they have to do with the club, how dedicated they are as professionals outside of, you know, off the rugby field as well. Once I got to kind of experience that and, and be around those people, it really kind of brought home to me just what type of qualities and values are needed in any profession, not just in sport. Yeah, it, it, you're absolutely right, isn't it? I think any anything you want to set your mind on, it's not just about natural ability, is it? I mean, that helps, but it's the hours and the dedication and the discipline that you put in to actually develop, you know, and to get, uh, you know, as far as you possibly can doing that, whatever the arena actually is. Most definitely. And what was really humbling for myself was when you was being surrounded by these people who, you know, I, I grew up kind of, collecting their stickers and idolising and so on. When you got to realise just how much they put back into young people as well um, and, you know, people coming into the club and coming into the game, when you were sitting down with those people and they was advising you and providing that, that kind of guidance, it, it really kind of installed into me that hopefully one day this will be happening to myself and I'll be providing that advice and guidance to a young person. Um, back then, what I was thinking coming into the club or, or coming into professional rugby league, I didn't realise that that type of direction would would be standing with me through the rest of my career. No, that's right. So just just describe perhaps what was your the best moment you had on the rugby pitch? 
Well, representing my country um, was was a big honour for me. I got selected to represent Great Britain Young Lions uh, with the uh, academy. Um, so playing in New Zealand and Australia, when you're lining up and you're facing the hacker and then you get to sing your, your country's national anthem, that's definitely up there as a as a you know as one of my highlights. I think one of my proudest moments was as a as a schoolboy. Um, you know, you, you dream of playing at your hometown. Um, and I got to play for, for the Deaner in my high school in a, in a, in a Lancashire Cup final at Central Park. And wow. um, as a 12 as a year old kid, you know, walking out under the, to the same changing rooms and the same tunnel as people you've grown up idolising for, for years was quite special. And I remember just walking out on the pitch and it, it just seemed enormous. You know, you, you, you really felt like you was in a, a coliseum at, at the time. Um, so I'm so glad I was lucky enough to play in that stadium before it got knocked down because, you know, you spend so many happy memories there, with, with especially with my dad. Yeah, yeah. Oh, it must be a proud moment for your family as well. So um, so that career did come to an end, sporting career, but what's sort of flown through is what you were talking about before about investing in younger people. So just tell us a little bit about that transition from being a professional rugby league player into putting your time into, well, you work with young offenders and you've worked with students and so on. And now, now at NNL, tell us about that transition. How did you find that? It was very hard, Andrew, if I'm being honest with you. Um, you know, playing rugby league was something I've dreamed of, you know, like I said before, from, from being five years of age. Uh, and I kind of saw myself retire, now 36. And as a plan, I kind of saw myself coming to my retirement age in rugby league now. Um, that didn't work out. I had a very serious injury. Um, plus, with the fact that I really felt that I'd, I'd reached my limit with my, you know, with playing professional rugby league, I found myself playing, you know, in lower divisions as, as a professional, um, and it was quite tough to, to try and comprehend that, you know, I'm a, I don't think I'm, I'm good enough anymore to play at a top level. Um, so that was a real big big chapter in my life when it was trying to have that word with yourself and, and literally say to yourself I'm not quite at the level uh, of what the other professionals are and what, what we classed as Super League which was the the, the, the top league in, in professional rugby yeah. league that was a big big uh, kind of chapter in my life and it was a tough one you know something that you've dedicated so much to uh, to realise that you, you're not good enough you're not at that level that you, that you, you dreamed of and what you should be and um, from that then, I'll be honest with you, I, re I really struggled for a bit and it was, it was, a, it was a, a uphill battle uh, because you, you're identified as that rugby player, you're living in a town where, where rugby's so mad and you, you're almost embarrassed when people are asking you, are you still playing? And then you've got to tell oh. them no and you, you, you're trying to search for things that'll kind of help yeah. you to, you know, find a career, start a career and so on. Um, what I couldn't help but forget was how I was treated all that time when I was a young person um, and how many people took me under their wing uh, when I was a young professional rugby player. Um, and it, it just kept kind of resonating with me that helping young people is something that, you know, I, I really yes. enjoy doing. Um, and an opportunity came along where I could work at a young offenders unit and it was working with uh, people who had, who had committed very serious crimes at a young age. And there was just a, a phase in their life now where they was getting ready to be um, released back into back into the, the world, and they mm -hmm. needed support with living arrangements, looking after themselves, and employment. 
Um, so I, I went for that job role and that was the biggest learning curve for me that I've, I've ever had. It, it really kind of brought me back down to earth, uh, but it really helped me realise that, you know, th- there's a cycle out there and, and people aren't born bad. Uh, mm. Things have happened to those people um, for them to, to do the things that they do. Um, and to me, when I got to learn that and I got to understand, um, you know, the process of, of certain things and, and helping young people, I just became obsessed with it then. And I, and I just wanted to kind of, when something just clicks and you realise, you know, I think I've found my calling here. I don't know which direction I want to take it in, but I think, I'm, I think I've, I've nailed it here. Uh, when that clicked, it was kind of like, right, you know, just explore as much as you possibly can. Yeah. Um, and, it, and it was, it was a, a really good humbling experience working at the Young Offenders Unit. It's like a light bulb moment, isn't it? And all of a sudden you, you, you had a, a sort of purpose on the rugby pitch and finding another one does take time. But now that you've got that purpose, that's sort of flown through to even what you're doing now at NNL. So maybe just describe what your job is today. Yes, yeah, so my job role is early careers advisor at the, the National Nuclear Laboratory. So I look after all the early careers programs that we do have from the apprenticeship scheme, the graduate scheme, uh, the work experience scheme, and also the, the postdoctorate scheme. Uh, so my job role is to oversee those schemes, but at the same time, provide that individual one-to-one support to all, all of our employees on the early careers programs. Something that I also really enjoy doing whilst working at NNL is, is kind of spreading awareness about NNL and the UK nuclear industry. So I, I really enjoy going to things such as careers fairs, which are now virtual uh, because of the, uh, the current pandemic we're going through. And I'm also trying to set up something at the moment where I'm, I'm going into different schools and just providing that general awareness about the UK nuclear industry uh, as well as NNL. Uh, so, yeah, something that I, I never, ever thought I'd find myself working in is, is the, the nuclear industry. Um, and if, if the 16-year-old me could see myself now, I, I'd completely laugh because, you know, you just don't – it's crazy how you align those stars. But um, coming to this this company has been, you know, a real eye-opener for me. Um, and it's just made me realise that just how amazing the nuclear industry is itself. Uh, I'm developing quite the obsession at the moment, just trying to find out as much as I can about, about the nuclear industry. Um, I was laughing over the weekend because my, my wife keeps uh, telling me off because I keep mentioning NNL and what we're doing and the, and the, and the nuclear industry itself. And she's kind of like, you know, have a day off time. <laughs> so it, it is becoming a bit of an obsession at the moment, watching documentaries on YouTube and things like that. <laughs> it, it, it does sound like, Kieran, what, whatever you do, you throw yourself into it completely, which is, uh, which is wonderful. Um, so just finally, just tell us about, um, what are your thoughts about your future? Where, what do you see your future looking like? Hopefully still with the National Nuclear Laboratory and, um, you know, I've, I've really embraced the values and, uh, and behaviours of, of what we hold at NNL. Um, and I feel a little bit like when I turned professional rugby player again, you know, so many people took me under the wing since I've arrived at NNL. You know, the nuclear industry was something that I, I've never been experienced in before. I, I never thought I'd find myself in, as I just mentioned um, so it feels like I'm starting over again in some respects um, and I've reached out to people and they've been absolutely amazing. Um, so, you know, I, I do firmly hope that I'm still with NNL 
what the way I see this is I really enjoy that, that more one-to-one support individual aspect of, of my job role and I'd like to continue with that and, and take it further because I really do think that that makes it a big difference in someone's career path when they've got that somebody they, they can go to and, and offload yes. to and get advice and guidance from uh, but also um, spreading the word as well of, of, the, of NNL and the UK nuclear industry I'm very passionate about going into schools um, in in Areas that are not necessarily um, more prone to, to work where we employ, um, so more maybe underprivileged areas, um, and, and working with um, people who who don't, don't necessarily uh, gain their education from a mainstream schooling or mainstream college. Um, I just feel if I can't help but picture myself as a as a young person, if somebody to come into my school and, and spoke to me about the UK nuclear industry. I'd have definitely sat up and listened back then. And, you know, and if we can get that, plant that seed as early as possible, uh, I think that, you know, I think it it, it could set us up up in the future because this industry is such a fascinating, exciting industry. uh, And, you know, hopefully we can get that message spread across to, to more young people in the future. Well, it's it's just great to have people like you as part of the nuclear industry and your your enthusiasm and your ability <laughs> to connect, you know, with younger people is superb. So, Kieran, thanks so much for spending some time with me this afternoon. Really appreciate it. Thank you very much. It's been an absolute pleasure, Andrew. Thank you. this podcast to help others enjoy it too please subscribe on your podcast platform of choice and don't forget to rate and review thank you